As we enter this second week of Advent, let us meditate on the origins of wisdom. For eternal wisdom lies beyond anything that our minds can grasp, though it guides us in our daily lives and moves us in the path that we should go. It acts as the hand of providence, ever watchful in maintaining our path as we move forward in this world. On this week's Wisdom's Cry, let's discuss the origins of eternal wisdom. He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Hello everyone, my name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I'm here today to talk to you about the origins of eternal wisdom. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we get to communicate with each other and share with each other. And that is, after all, why I do this. Let us begin, as we often do, with prayer. Most Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask that you will bless us this Advent season as we meditate on the glories of our Lord as he came into this world to guide and protect us, to teach us the way that we should go, to teach us the path of compassion and holy wisdom. Grant to us, most holy Father, the grace of understanding the nature of your blessings more fully in our daily lives. Amen. Eternal wisdom is one of those concepts that on the surface, sounds easy to understand, and the more you dig into it, the more complex and difficult it is to approach. So, let's actually begin with a discussion of the Trinity. Now, I've done an episode on the Trinity before, so if you would like more in-depth information, please go back and listen to that. That'll help you out a bit more. But what's important to understand about the formulation of the Trinity is the basic concept that something either is universal to all three or unique to just the one. So, the Son is the Savior, and that is unique to the, to the second person of the Trinity. The Father is distant and unknowable, and that is a, a trait of the Father, of the first person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is eminent and within us at all times, as is the Son, and as is the Father. So that is something that is universal to the three. So you cannot say that something belongs to two members of the Trinity, and does not belong to all three. It's a very simple formula, and so 
if you're ever curious if something is true, if you know that it is for two members of the Trinity, then it is for all three. If you can find no reference to it, to it being an attribute of more than one member of the Trinity, then it is unique to just that one member of the Trinity. I start there because it is one of the most important parts to understand, especially when I go into the next part, which is often misconstrued and misunderstood and treated as different from the other things that we're going to be talking about. And that is when we talk about gender and the Godhead. Now, we can start off with talking about how wisdom is very clearly gendered as feminine in the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes and, well, throughout the Hebrew literature. But we don't actually have to go there. We can start a lot simpler. In the beginning, in the beginning, God made man in his own image. In his own image, he made them male and female. Now, this is important for us to understand because God must not be understood as a gendered being. We can talk about God as being non-gendered. We can talk about God as being male. And we can talk about God as being female. All of these are accurate and well within the realm of what we are allowed to say. And I don't even like to use the word allowed. But I do because so many people want to come in and start screaming heresy whenever you talk about God in any feminine tones. If male and female are the image of God, then God is male and female. It's as simple as that. There's no other place in scripture that you can go and point to that will disagree with that. So, starting from there, when we talk about wisdom, we often talk about her. Mainly because, as I said, in the Hebrew scriptures, where we get wisdom speaking for herself and the various teachers referring to wisdom, they refer to her as a her. But where does wisdom come from? Wisdom arises from our dark mother. Now, wait, 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 don't stop. Don't stop. Please listen. This is very, very important for our times for you to understand this. Because we always talk about the father of light, but we don't talk about our dark mother. See, these are the two sides of the first person of the Holy Trinity. Two sides of the same coin. For our Father, who stands in light, illuminates the world, brings justice and righteousness to the world, proclaims his will to the world. Our Mother, who dwells in darkness, dwells within the universe. She is the eminent aspect of God. Just as we have the Holy Spirit in the Shekinah glory of the Father, the Holy Spirit being the masculine, and the Shekinah, Shekinah being the feminine, the lost princess. These we see in our Father, the Father of light, and our Mother of darkness. And that is a scary concept for so many people to wrap their heads around. Because when they think darkness, they think evil. And we're not talking about evil. Just as the light obscures the face of God, so too does the darkness 
I'm giving you a moment to think about that for a minute. We're talking about obscurity here. We're talking about mystery. Light is mysterious. You look at it and you cannot make out any differentiation. You cannot see what is there. And thus, light is able to hide what you're looking at. The same is true with darkness. For you see, our Holy Mother lives in the universe. She embodies the darkness of space and the darkness within the earth. She is the dark womb from which all life emerges. She is the one from whom eternal wisdom arises. She is the origin of eternal wisdom, though we don't talk about her much at all. Because in our times and in our society, we have adopted a very patriarchal view of religion and God, where God is male, God is father and son, and thus our priests must be male, because God was male. And we talk about the male apostles of Jesus, but we don't talk about any of the female apostles. And I'm not even talking about whether or not Mary Magdalene or any of the others mentioned in the gospel were actually apostles in the eyes of Jesus. I'm talking about the female apostles named in the New Testament by Paul. Many female apostles are named. And thus we have our questions answered. There is no differentiation, Paul tells us, for in Christ Jesus there is no male or female. Why? Because in God there is no male or female, and there is both male and female. Our Dark Mother is known to most of us as the Black Madonna, because she arises from time to time during the renaissance of our culture to awaken us to the new possibilities that must come. And when she does, her images, her iconography is very distinct, whereas most of the beautiful images of our Blessed Mother Mary are very easy to see her Madonna and child. We see in the portraits of the Black Madonna, Madonna, our Holy Mother, Mother God, sitting with eternal wisdom on her lap. For the Black Madonna shows us the Dark Mother, the Mother who lives in the earth, the Mother whose dark womb gives birth to us all, the Mother who we see when we look out into the vast blackness of space. And thus we call her Dark. For some of you, this may be a new concept. For some of you, this may be something that you've never heard of before. And it's not new. It's something that goes back at least to the 12th century, if not before, within our tradition. And we can go back even further if we want to, because all of the Earth Mothers that have almost universally been depicted in these dark, earthly hues. Ah, uh, but I can hear you now saying, how can you call God dark? Well, if I were to quote the Psalms, who tell us that the Lord drew the clouds about him to obscure his place. You see, the psalmist knew that God dwelled in darkness. Our ancestors knew that God dwelled in darkness, as well as in light. Because darkness 
is not necessarily evil. Darkness is unknowing. Darkness is doubt. Darkness is that place that we enter where we do not necessarily know where we will come out in the end. Darkness is our friend. And when I say that, I don't mean what we would often call our darker inclinations, because we tend to use that word to refer to evil. But it also refers to mystery, and that's what we're talking about here. When I say our dark mother, I'm saying it with the same joy that the writer of the Canticle of Canticles did, the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, whatever you want to call it. When he wrote and put the words in her mouth, I am black, but beautiful. Because she is gloriously black. She is beyond our vision. She is beyond our sight. She is at the heart of all mysteries. And thus, from her, eternal wisdom flows. As the light of God proceeds into Jesus, who is light, who went into the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. So too did Jesus arise as eternal wisdom from the beginning in this primordial secret place, in this primordial dark place, where no hand has touched, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, for it is beyond all that we could ever imagine and hope for. This is where divine wisdom arose. Wisdom played with God at the beginning. In this dark place. In this secret place. In this place beyond our ken. And our society, our culture, has lost contact with that sort of darkness. The other darkness that John 1, chapter 1 darkness, we're very familiar with. We do terrible things all the time. All you have to do is turn on the news, and there they are. There's the chronicle of today's terrible things. Because they don't like talking about the good. They rarely talk about the good, I should say. But if it bleeds, it leads. But we forget this other place, this great cloud of unknowing that we can enter that we must enter if we want to have a vibrant and real spiritual life. For in that secret place, that is where God dwells, whether it be in the dark recesses within us, in our own heart, our own spirit, the ground of our being. All of these are dark in that they are obscured from our vision. They are hard for us to see, if not impossible. And in that darkness, we seek her voice. And she speaks to us as she always has in the voice of her eternal son, her eternal daughter, eternal wisdom, who played at the beginning before God, who is ever there crying at the city gates for anyone to listen, for anyone to hear, that she may be gathered and brought home to us. But if you don't know where she came from, then you cannot find her. And thus she continues to cry, hoping that one day we will hear her voice. Because the great 
lie perpetrated on our culture since the Enlightenment is the idea that everything is rational and that everything makes sense. And while, yes, we shouldn't just wave our hands and say, well, this doesn't make sense, so we're not even going to try. We should always try for knowledge. But knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Knowledge arises from the study and understanding of the world and how it works. Wisdom arises from experience, from entering that dark place of doubt and sometimes accepting that we either do not know or cannot know the answer to the questions that we are asking. Saying that you do not know is the beginning of wisdom. At least that's what the philosophers tell us. And in our hearts, in our minds, when we pull up our image of God, do we have room for our beautiful black mother? Do we have room for our dark mother who gave rise to eternal wisdom? Or have our hearts been closed? Have we denied the full nature of God, that God is both male and female, and neither male nor female? Because we want to believe that someone in this world is superior to another, when in fact that is the great lie of the devil. That is the great lie that distracts us from all the work that God would have us do. For as St. Paul says, there is no Jew or Greek, no slave or free, no male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. All are one. Now, listen to what he is saying there, because it is so often and easy to miss. Not all who believe. He doesn't qualify it at all. Not all who say the right things or do the right things. All are one in Christ Jesus. What we do to another, we do to ourselves, for we are all one. Everything that we do, we do to the body of Christ. All illnesses are felt as the body of Christ crucified on that cross, dying for our sins. Every Recovery is his resurrection. And unless you're willing to enter that mystery, unless you're willing to enter that cloud of unknowing that is life. You see, many of my friends who do not have a faith of their own to speak of believe that we do not know, so we pretend. And that's not what this is about. It's about accepting the uncertainties of life. Woe to those who believe that religion or science or anything is there to give you certainty. There are no certainties. There are probabilities. And that is all that we get in this world. The things that we know are probably true because they've been tested and retested and appear to be true. But remember, before Copernicus, People didn't believe Ptolemy because it was the easiest thing to believe, but because his math worked. He figured out strange and unusual ways to explain why the planets moved through the sky in the way they did. But he was wrong because he didn't have the full picture. And that's the uncertainty that I am asking you to embrace. 
as we enter this Advent season, as we seek the voice of eternal wisdom, as we cry out to our dark mother on high. Open our minds that we may embrace uncertainty, for it is, in the end, all we really have. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please take a moment to rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can on Twitter. I am Wisdom Cries Out on there. You can find links to everything that I do, including our Advent blessings on wisdomscry.com. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short. Shouldn't have to say this, but keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you've got a dollar, you can pass my way. And by the, when I say my way, I mean my way. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the listener support system, the community support. If you click that, you'll be able to get, help me continue to do the work that I do. That money goes to me. And I'm not going to say that it gives you any magical blessings or anything other than my eternal gratitude and thanks. I do pray for those who are helping me do the work, but take that with whatever, for whatever it's worth. Don't do this for the money, but I do have to pay for upkeep on the site and, you know, for food and power and stuff. And it would be nice to, you know, be able to pay my bills. So thank you to everybody who already does that. And if you don't have any money right now, or you don't feel like giving, that is perfectly all right. I do not do this for the money. Do not think that I'm doing this for the money. And in fact, if I started making like a lot of money off of this, I would start giving a lot of it to charity because I'm not doing this for the money. I'm just trying to pay my bills. But if you don't have one to give or can't right now, but you know somebody that would enjoy this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out immensely as well. So until we meet again, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom. Amen.